This is Pod Populi, podcast for the people. Hi, my name is Dr. Sarah Adams. I am a board-certified pediatrician, but I'm not your pediatrician. Feel free to use my podcast as helpful information, but in no way do I intend my podcast to replace the advice of your physician. Your physician knows you and is in the best position to provide medical advice. Hello, and welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. Some kids are already in school and some are still waiting, but one of the biggest questions I get in my practice around nutrition specifically is how to pick healthy options at lunch if you're going to buy, and also how to prepare and plan for lunches if you're going to pack, and then how to ensure that your child is actually eating what you're planning, because that's a whole nother story, which might even need to be a different podcast. But I'm honored to have Maureen Pisanic. She is the chief ex- executive officer and founder of Pisanic Partners, LLC, which is a nutrition counseling firm servicing early childhood to K through 12 service food service programs. She currently supports over 40 school districts in Northeastern Ohio in creating and implementing a strategic improvement plan for their meal service programs. Mrs. Pisanic led one of the first schools in Ohio to win, to win the Healthier U.S. Schools Challenge Award in 2011. Congratulations. Thank you. Through her involvement in farm-to-school efforts, culinary training course development, and recipe and, and menu software analysis, she created Turnkey Solutions for a niche market geared towards wellness and public health in, in Ohio. She's often called upon to provide professional developmental training as a respected leader in the local and national school nutrition industry and is a longtime friend of mine. And so I am honored to have you. I have chills. Oh I'm so gosh. excited I'm to so see excited. you. This is a full circle moment for me, for sure. For sure. It, it really is. I won't age either one of us by saying exactly how many years ago, but how I was honored to meet Maureen was when my own kids were in the Hudson City School system. And I, this was a passion for me about healthy lunch uh, options and packing a good lunch even back then. So it, it doesn't change, you know, when it really comes. But I'd be curious, since we did work together, what has changed? You know, it has been uh, obviously a crazy roller coaster ride the past couple of years in school meals. Um, and part of that has obvious reasons, but you know what doesn't change is that hungry students can't learn, and so um, we need to figure out ways to commit to fueling students, um, which look li- differently the past couple of years. You know, we were fueling uh, students at home while they were learning remotely. Wow, um, hybrid learning and and finding ways to consider uh, ways to continue to serve most students in need, really that mostly don't have that access at home. Um, but every community obviously suffered uh, over the past several years. So we've learned a lot about the pivots necessary to continue to commit to wholesome meals, fueling healthy lives. And what that means is, where do you source your food? What are you focusing on? 
how do you create speed scratch and scratch education so that the folks in the school meals program can really embrace recipe development? Um, we say it's not nutrition unless they swallow it. And so it, it doesn't just start with a good recipe um, and training the staff. It, it talks about feedback and engaging the school community as a whole talking to students, talking to their parents. Um, you know, I like to say, you know, we had before the chipotalization of society, right? <laughs> so it was the bar concepts. And, and I think that's what you might remember your students. We did chipotle style bars and pasta yes. bars. But really what that really was, was a set of choice architecture. It's called smarter lunchroom theory. Um, it, believe it or not, I, you know, I'm a dietitian by trade, but that brings in like psychology, behavioral economics is what it's called, actually. And it's how you present the food. So everyone has the five senses, right? So we eat with our eyes and you smell, you know, if it's a pasta bar, I I pray it smells like garlic and basil and everything that just makes your mouth water in Mm -hmm. anticipation. Um, Certainly, you know, it's not nutrition unless it's swallowed. So it has to taste like something. So I think if you ask me the biggest evolution from last we met is just continuing to keep evolving and innovating and communicating because I really feel the best ran programs aren't just ran by a menu that was devised by somebody. It's a collaborative effort between the school community as a whole, um, training and professional development for the staff that works in those kitchens, honoring their needs and professional development. And then also, you know, we know, um, health and wellness has evolved as a whole thinking about the types of diets that best promote growth brain development and immunity, right? That was a big Absolutely. thing. You know, folks that had a better chance of, of being well over the past several years were those just to have a really solid diet that contributes to positive growth and development as well as immunity. So keeping, you know, good things involved like vitamin C, which you get from a wealth of a beautiful, colorful salad bar, right? Yes. So yeah, I just showed you a picture because I'm so proud of it. You know, it's yeah. not, it doesn't have to be hard. That's the other thing. Yeah. So, you know, I think people get stuck in the fact like, oh, our school district can't do scratch cooking. Well, whole ingredients and easily prepared and gently prepared items out on a salad bar. Produce bars are the biggest and easiest wins in schools to really get wholesome uh, local when you can is best into the hands of kids and they love it. It doesn't matter. So when you met me, I was here in Hudson. Now we're in districts, urban districts, rural districts, suburban districts. Kids love that. They, They really grow and have grown by being offered that opportunity. They're savvy consumers. They really are. Oh, I know. Believe me. And, you know, in my podcast, I've mentioned a lot of times, you know, one of the things you can't make a child do is eat. Mm-hmm. And when when I was listening to you and thinking in my myself, what I have noticed has changed is breakfast. Mm-hmm. I know when my boys were in school, there wasn't a breakfast program. And I also know that that's a very important meal, too. So I imagine you know, in the last couple of years, that's been a challenge as well, because we know that the child that gets breakfast and has a good lunch is absolutely going to learn better. I hear all the time, you know, Dr. Sarah, what can I do so that my child, you know, is learning better or to help with ADHD without medication or help them sleep or give them more energy? And I'm like, I just, I talk about nutrition and it sounds so simple and it really can be, like you said, sometimes I think we make it a little too hard. I agree a hundred percent. And breakfast, you're right. A hungry mind cannot learn. And there are great images of 
you know, this is your brain on breakfast. This is your brain not on <laughs> breakfast. And those little neurons are lit up, right? Um, and so what we've done, what I, I like to see the evolution of school breakfast, over the past several years, more schools are doing breakfast. Um, it doesn't matter if you're in a district that provides it for free. Um, you know, I, I'm a, a family with two working parents. So sometimes it's not just the economics, it's the time economics. So absolutely, how much time do you have in the morning to really prepare a balanced breakfast? Um, my little one is going to go into fourth grade and believe you me, she gets hangry. We call it hangry. <laughs> um, and so we know it's not only the, uh, the ability to focus, learn, you know, we used to have when we were in Hudson, they'd say, can we do snacks for test week? And I say, well, that's great. I, that's a great first step, but we need test. We need breakfast for every day where yes. they're trying to learn and absorb those uh, materials to be able to perform on these crazy standardized tests. And, and parents worry about that. Um, oh, also yeah. just time management, you know, and, and I think where I like to see the evolution of school breakfast go and where we're coaching schools to do that is to really balance a whole grain that is not as processed or, or full of sugars with Things like fresh produce that have high fiber, so whole fruits as opposed to fruit juice. And then certainly um, we love a good bistro style box that has like a nice set of protein options with um, wholesome cheeses and eggs and protein like peanut butter if you're not allergic. Um, So that you have that balance of macronutrients that sustain an even blood sugar, right? Let's talk medicine here for a second. So when you have a breakfast, it's not just the opportunity to eat something, it's the eat eating something that's balanced, that's really scientifically proven to maintain that blood sugar so that you can continue to fuel your brain until you get to that lunch period. Um, and so that balanced breakfast does have to include things like our whole produce items, um, really, and, and also the whole grains and, and the proteins to really continue that fuel and, and really balance that digestion, right? Absolutely. I talk about, you know, snacks or even breakfast all the time. And I tell them it, it doesn't always have to be a big laid out, uh, laid out options. It just, if you just have a, a nice complex carbohydrate, a nice, you know, um, from the grain group, bread group, and then with a protein and a fat, somehow putting those together, the bodies, their bodies are going to use it better too. And they're going to find themselves less hungry and hangry by the time they get to, to lunch. I also like the school breakfast ideas because, you know, Gabe would have to eat right away when he got up that, and my husband's the same way. Whereas Ben and I are one of those people where I got to wake up a little bit before I can even think about eating something. But usually these kids aren't going to get up, you know, that much earlier when they have to leave in order to like get that moment when they can eat. So by the time we got to school, it was perfect timing. So the timing is very important. I do struggle a little bit with, I know, I'm hoping it's a little bit different, but also the time that they have to be in the lunch period. Because I would notice kids that are in line or maybe wanting to get to that salad bar, the produce bar, but because of time, they didn't want to miss and the, we're talking more elementary school ages, obviously, that still have recess. Right. Although I still think they should be doing recess in high school. Too. Right. But that's a whole nother story about physical activity. And so when it comes to making choices, well, wait, let me backtrack. Tell me a little bit more about these produce bars. Sure, sure. So this is our new fun uh, passion project. I say food is our love language and Boy, is it ever when it explodes in a colorful array of rainbow of produce, right? Mm-hmm. So who doesn't love a beautiful, like, impact of just walking through and 
um, food is art, right? And, and yeah. food is art for, for some. Food is love for us. And it, the combination of love and art come to life when you offer, when possible, locally sourced Harvest of the Month. So we help schools with local procurement. There are cool. ways to get local farm food um, that is seasonal. You know, I always say if, you, if you're in Ohio and you are eating a tomato now, it tastes way different than the tomatoes you might get from a store in January, right? Yes. So if you're a student that has never really been exposed to tomatoes, you don't really like tomatoes, when you give them a sweet little grape tomato that's in season, boy, do you ever change their minds, right? Oh, yeah. So making the cafeteria... It's like candy. Yes, making the cafeteria an extension of the classroom and teaching people that harvested items are at the peak of not only their flavor, but their nutrition. So that connection between the why and making it just beautifully, like we call it a trayscape. You know, mm-hmm. like the, most folks love a good charcuterie board. Oh, yeah, look, I right? do. So I like changed my mindset and saying like, yeah, you can get kids to eat a fruit or vegetable, but you have to really treat them like the little savvy consumers they are. And when it's laid out beautifully, you don't have to force them. They take, right? Mm-hmm. And you give them that choice. So that's another part of this behavioral economics. It's choice architecture. If you put a, a lump of something on a tray and say, eat it, take it, go, most of the time it finds its way into a trash can right. and it doesn't nourish a child. If you give them choices, the science is there. The evidence of outcomes show with choice, you have acceptance and you have the eating of the actual, vet, you wow. know, the vegetable or the fruit. So there is a, a science behind this. And really, um, again, engaging in, in school wellness and in committees to talk about, you know, how do we help kids become a part of that? And then they feel ownership. Um, a lot of times we look to places like fast casual restaurants and where kids are going and we try to make them fit into the model, which does does model the dietary guidelines. So it is a science based, the Institute of Medicine's recommendations for age appropriate calories, macronutrients, and some of the things that maybe kids don't like as much, the lower fat, the lower lower sodium, doesn't need to be without flavor when you're thinking about additions of these great fresh in-season vegetable bars, right? Yes. And then we know kids love dips, so but you can make a good whole, uh, you know, Greek yogurt dip that has that ranch flavor and it doesn't have to be high in saturated fat or sodium without, um, you know, having an impact uh, with some fresh herbs in it. So it's really the teachable moment between that, the, the school district and the staff, the try days with the kids and that aha moment, like, do you like this? Some engaging conversations yeah. and it really just explodes. And so for me, I think um, it's big picture thinking. It's a real strategic thinking and, and planning where you're looking to um, get this out in front of kids. But, it, you know, the evidence is there when they're engaged it works. You know, they eat. (laughs) And it ultimately for the school systems has to cut costs because if they're preparing food and either kids aren't buying it or they're throwing it away, there's probably a lot less waste. Absolutely. When, you know, they, they are able to, when the kids actually eat it. And we talked about time management, which I would imagine... Too that helps with time because if they can go through like a a bar salad bar produce bar that then it's a lot quicker than waiting in this long line. I, I do advocate for lunch period length. I am so glad you brought that up. As a parent involved in schools, being a part of wellness committees, but also engaging in conversations with building administrators. You know, I love recess before lunch. Why? Because kids go out 
have fun, and mm-hmm. then they come in and they're thirsty and hungry, and they yes. sit and they usually consume their meals versus the reverse of that, which means I'm going to throw out my food so I could be first in line for that jungle gym that I want to go on, which mm-hmm. we want to encourage activity as well. So I, it's a balance. I get it. But I also do um, work with schools to, to talk about the flow of the line and really working at making sure a student has at least a 30-minute period to engage in selecting Good. their meals, sitting and eating. So one of the advocacy is not only for the menu, the training on these produce bars and other recipes, but the engaged conversations. Because I know I get a lot of attention when I say hungry minds can't learn. And they go, I love okay, that. you've got me. <laughs> and then what was the other thing you said? Hungry minds can't learn. And what about if they if they can't, if they don't eat yeah, it, if they don't chew it, if they don't swallow, swallow it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Those are two new ones I've never heard. I love it. I'm going to have to use that in my practice. It's not nutrition if they won't swallow it. And you made a good point that there's nothing wrong with making these foods taste good. Correct. And we can do that in a... In, in a, a clean way. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I definitely was all about dips and I was making shapes with food long, long time ago to get my kids to kind of buy into it and have fun. And you can start that in the toddler age, which is great and getting them used to that taste, uh, early on because Babies are born understanding that vegetables are bitter, more bitter than fruit is. So we can cha- we can change the way vegetables taste so that they'll love it. Absolutely. And um, and eating the rainbow, I like to talk to kids about that. I'm so glad you brought that up. I bring it up with when I'm doing a well visit, especially for school age kids, and I try to explain to them. I'll say to them like, "Hey, tell me uh, something that you eat that's orange." You know, for example, I always start easy because mm-hmm. or oh, an orange. Mm-hmm. You know, but I also try to explain to them that each of the different colors means different vitamins and minerals because I do think that it's important for children to understand why we're asking them to do this. So often, as parents, and I did it. You know, it was like, "Well, we eat." This this, you know, so that you'll be healthy, but that's really not enough. They need to understand, hey, when I eat things that have a lot of orange in it, for example, it or vitamin A, it helps with my eyesight, vitamin C with immunity, you know, so on. So sometimes if they're old enough, it's it's good to just explain to them why it's very important. Do you are there a lot of districts that grow their own? vegetables or fruits or or anything like that so several of our schools have started school gardens you know obviously the bounty isn't generally not large enough to feed the schools but it is such a great exposure to harvest something like a simple spinach in the spring and then bring that into the produce bar Mm -hmm. or do a simple saute with a little bit of garlic um you know part of that is engaging just knowing you know grow it know it kind of programs right Right. and then and and there's pride in that too when they are able to be a part of that so school gardens play an integral part in when schools can and do have teachers, you know, at our school here, um, I remember Miss Brenda DeLeo in fourth grade. I mean, she did pizza pot and salsa pot gardens with me one year. And we, we applied for a grant and we created little, you know, garden pot plots in the atrium there. And then we harvest them, had a simple exercise in the classroom. So again, there's a lot of uh, synergy that that can happen when teachers engage with nutrition in school buildings to, to be able to have these conversations. And the other piece I really think is important um, is we feel a menu's transparency needs to be 
loud and proud. So we work with schools and we have an interactive menu platform where parents can navigate. And I think you're going to love this. First and foremost, I'm a dietitian, right? So if you have an allergy, one of the reasons you don't like eating at school is because sometimes you don't know what's in the food and that's scary. And it's important. And that can be very dangerous. Absolutely. And then the other part is the attributes. So we have a lot more flexitarians, maybe not vegetarian, vegan, but people that like to eat meatless and still want variety. Um, Some folks that... um, gravitate towards attributes like gluten-free. Obviously, celiac disease, they have to, but some people follow a gluten-free diet and yeah. they need to know what, what their food has for sure. So that's what we really, really love the idea that um, the cafeteria can be an extension of the classroom, but also the menu has to be transparent. People have to feel confident. My favorite thing to do is is teach a, a carb count to a family that has packed for years mm-hmm. and they are just so excited to be able to navigate a lunch line and pick things and know and be an informed consumer for their health and be able to dose their insulin at school. It, it Those are wow. moments where I get chills, where the mom yeah. is like, thank you. I do this every day of my life. And if I can have, you know, my kiddo be normal, quote unquote, and walk through a lunch line with their friends and pick something and feel confident in the car crowns, you've just made my life easier. So wow. menu is, is a lot of, um, you know, from start to finish, not only the nourishment that helps students learn, but you know we want to be a resource to parents right because it's I'm a mom too you know so I, I come yeah. from a very empathetic shoe going <laughs> okay I get it you know and and I really want to make you know school meals not only appeal to kids provide for their nourishment and academic success but also support the parents parenting is a hard job oh so. yeah believe me it's but it's definitely the hardest job I've ever had <laughs> absolutely also the most rewarding absolutely but and and in addition to that like you said also to make sure everybody feels safe Absolutely. And safety has to be, and not just feeling of safety, but actually being safe. Absolutely. That there's that part. So let's, let's start the school year and just say, how do parents, first of all, access the school lunches? I know in the old days, we used to, <laughs> I, I fear that I'm really aging myself now, but in the old days, um, I, we would go to the Hudson Hub. And the, the menu would be printed for the following week and we would, I would look at it together with my kids. I would imagine it's, if they have access to internet that it's probably online now. It is evolved. It okay, has. <laughs> Most school districts have a, at least at a minimum a digital copy of a menu on their website. So I would encourage all to go to your district's website. They usually have a food or nutrition department where there's contact information. Um, there is, believe it or not, your mind's going to be blown. We work with schools. There's actually an app for that. <laughs> so there are lunchtime, real-time apps that we help support schools where parents and students, for that matter, can pull up on their smart device uh, an interactive menu um, that they can look at what options are available, click on them, see the nutritional information, the ad, you know the allergens and attributes, as we were just mm-hmm. speaking, mm-hmm. and also kind of make an informed consumer decision. So it has evolved in the, you know, I will age myself two decades now I've been doing this. <laughs> Can you believe it? Um, but I think that's the exciting part about it. There's, it, It's always something new and improved to do and exciting to do. So, you know, I would encourage families to take a look. Um, often there's opportunities there as well to get involved in your district's wellness committees and or 
talk directly to the supervisor of the programs. And there's lots of opportunities. I will put a little plug in. Volunteering in a lunchroom is a fun experience to not only spend some time midday with your child if you're able to, but also see what's going on and give give feedback. I mean, I think all in all, we all want to hear ways to improve our programs. And parents can be huge partners in that success for school professionals to have that connection with them. And you don't know what you don't know as a parent. I definitely did that. That was the one volunteer job I was able to do when the kids were in school. And that's really when I learned about the lines, when I learned about those kids that were eating before recess, like you mentioned, were just eating their food so quickly or throwing away half of it because they just, they wanted to get out there. They wanted to get outside. And, and that was one of the things I've learned. I also learned a little bit about my own kid and what he was actually doing, you know, with the, with the food that we either packed or that he selected. And, you know, in my, I'm listening to you say this and I'm thinking to myself, I always try to think like, what are going to be the, um, roadblocks for that. And one thought can be, well, gosh, that's just another thing that I have to do. But realistically, it doesn't take that much more time. And again, if we kind of talk about not just their health, but they're, you know, even economically for families, there's going to be less, you're going to spend less money, and you're going to have less waste, and they're going to ultimately eat better, you know, have a, a healthier, more nutritious diet, which then ultimately helps, like you said, with their basic health immunity, but very importantly, they're learning. Absolutely. And I was spoiled. So my daughter does attend an elementary school locally and and eat school lunch. Of course, I have to give a, you know, a kudos to our team at our local school district. Um, but during the camp season, I had to pack a lot. And it's challenging as a parent to pack as much variety as the school meals programs offer. So every day, five components at lunch, a whole grain, a source of lean protein, a fruit, a vegetable, and a low-fat dairy product, milk. So, you know, regardless of what you you're, you can pack, I, I challenged me. Really, it did. And, you know, the other thing that challenged me is I'm kind of a food safety Nazi, and it's been really hot. So, like, not only is it the variety of all the fresh ingredients that you need to really pack, it's how do you keep that cold and safe? Because foodborne illness happens. And so when you pack a yogurt, if your, your child's a yogurt eater or a lunch meat sandwich or a lean, whatever it is, the idea is not only the variety and balance to meet and hit all of that, the my plate dietary guideline, it's what you do to keep the cold food cold and the hot foods hot. And that's a big challenge as a parent in the packing. Um, and also just the idea that um, hydration is important, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so the amount of the ability to have water and access to, you know, you know, water throughout the school day. And so there's a lot of things that I think as parents were challenged to consider when we're packing versus relying on our school to be a partner throughout the day so we can know that they're taken care of right during the day. Absolutely. And I want to also talk a little bit about, like you said, if they don't, if they don't swallow it, they're not getting the nutrition. So let's say you've got the school, you know, is, is providing these amazing produce, um, um, buffets, bars, yep. <laughs> bars. Yep. That's I couldn't think of the word. Um, you know, produce bars, and the parents are buying it, buying in. You know, to say, but then how do we get? You know, I never want to push a child, you know, to eat because then that that associates that the food becomes like it. They associate it as being bad or good or just the experience, even if it's good food. So I usually try to. If I find a really challenging case, for example, like the child who just gets pizza and french fries every day, for example, if that's even offered. But how do we help the parents get the kids to buy in 
you know, to eating, you know, trying out this produce bar. And then the kids realizing that it's just small steps that creates wins. Absolutely. I love that you put it that way because a produce bar not only does it inherently give you choice, it gives you the opportunity to try a little bit of many different options. And so that's when you get more adventurous, like, I'm going to try this today. Um, There's a really good, powerful impact of positive peer pressure in schools when you see your classmate or a friend, or if you're in the high school, a really cool football player or a big guy, you know, coming through and and really enjoying the meal. And then it becomes a really nice um, way for, for students to share and engage. I think not only is food our love language, but the lunchroom is a really great social opportunity for peers to engage. And I think the idea of of even a young elementary student sitting at a lunch table and talking about, I picked this on the produce bar today. You know, those are the things that I think those common, uh, the thread that weaves um, the growth of knowledge and exposure, right? And we know this, you have to sometimes try things dozens of times before or our kid more. like it. Yeah. yeah. So our, our second bar is called growing with greens and it, it's, it debunks the myth that you can't, you know, some kids are like, if it's green, it's not passing my lips. <laughs> right. And so we try to do fun things with exposure and education, but also just pure, pure impression is awesome to see um, some school lunch champions and we'll call kids out caught doing something good. You, it's a try day here. You get a sticker if you're going to try it and they get really excited. Oh, that's cool. about I it. love that. And it, it, to your point, it's not, you have to eat a whole, portion of it, but just take, you know, tolerate the presence of it on your tray and take a little bite. And uh, we have seen the palates and the variety of consumption grow based on the ability to allow them that choice. And I think that's a really important part of the smarter lunchroom movement that we really support in schools is really getting to tune into that and see there's a good return on investment, right? So to your point, food waste goes down, participation Mm -hmm. goes up, Parent satisfaction, student satisfaction, and I think it's a win-win when we see students go back into the classroom after having a a well-fed lunch, and they can learn and do the things they need to do, right? That's the end of the day. Absolutely. And, And like I said, I get so many questions about what can my child do? What can I do to help my child without doing medication? For so many things, and I listed a few earlier, but nutrition is such a big part of it. Everything from... You know, it, I heard a, a quote once, it either, he, you know, heals disease or, you know, is good for you or it, it causes disease. Right. And although I'm really trying to get kids to not have that visualization of this is good food or this is bad for you food. And we just, one of the things I say a lot in my practice is this is some of the time food mm-hmm. and this is all the time food. So what we're talking about is just teaching them how to enjoy the, those all the time foods. I love it. Well, I have to say, I'm listening to this thinking, wow, I wish I had access to go <laughs> and have lunch now at those produce bars and because uh, they sound amazing. We love it when the teachers and the staff come in too, because that's another benefit, you know, Teachers and adults in schools that celebrate these bars, it's a it's a win win too. So we support the school community as a whole. The wellness of a school community is is all encompassing, and we love to see our adults come in, our parent volunteers eat, our teachers eat, our you know our principals and superintendents eat. We love that, and so I think you know I pride myself in any school I write a menu for, I would eat. And I feel like, you know, it's like feeding your family. You want to be able to, you know, our schools are an extension of our family in my mind. And and we take the care 
as you would setting a table for your family. Um, every day is a holiday. We get to have like a full-on buffet. So it's a good job for me. I, I love it. I've been doing it for years, and it, it, it's just a passion for me. And I, I appreciate you welcoming me in there i'm thinking about like what you just said let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food and the connection between gut health and brain development there's we could talk about six or seven different topics i'm sure as it relates to the plans that we put together for the varieties of food we offer we do have a free cookbook which is awesome um so we've we that was a pandemic silver lining right we wanted to just get free information out so we'll have our third release in september and we what we do is not only provide the recipes for the schools to use but we scale them for families of four so we're excited to say that we're we're trying to make again that connection so if a student comes home and says gosh i had this at school and i loved it and a parent calls us we say here you go here's your recipe for four you can try it at home and so um again making that cafeteria an extension of the classroom providing resources i love school nutrition because we're not competitive restaurants so it's awesome we all share recipes and not only with our school communities but then when the parents ask we say here you go so it's just a really great opportunity to embrace both health nutrition and wellness but also teach right for us oh yeah well thank and I hope you'll come back because I think those other topics are really important thank you so much for joining me and for just your enlightenment I mean I get excited about the the school starting again and this is one of the factors and it's also something that kids can get excited about too it's there is so much more than just what they're learning in the classroom it starts from the moment they walk in that door absolutely and the kitchen is the heart of our homes right so think about it this way the cafeteria is usually the heart of the school district it's usually in the center and i say the staff and the meals are the heartbeat right and so we want that beat to be strong and to be uh you know healthy and purposeful and so in any way you know our team can support schools we just feel like it's just again a very much a passion. Food is our love language and, and we love to share. So thank you so much for having me here. Thank you again. And thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to follow us wherever you listen to your shows like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, for example, and let's grow up together.